Thank you for tuning in to the 97th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Going to have a great show for you today, like always. Going to have Jason Cavari on in about 10 to 15 minutes. Browns, uh, NFL overall. What was Jason's reaction? What was his opinion? Right? Tennessee Titans. 43 points on the Cleveland Browns. And that's where we're going to start. You know, after the Browns got dismantled by the Tennessee Titans, uh, Delaney Walker said a quote, and it's a really interesting quote. We talk about the Browns, he said, they are who we thought they were. And it comes from a quote from the old former Arizona Cardinals head coach, Dennis Green. And this is what Dennis Green said. I'm going to be honest with you, man. They were who we thought they were. If you want to crown them, crown them. You feel me? Crown them. They're just a football team. You can say what you want to say. Talk is big, but you still got to play the game. And that's where we went. We heard all the talk, but they didn't play a game yet. And then today we showed it. We played that game and we came away with the W. They were who we thought they were. And oh, and the happy part for me is, right, the Bills won at least. I'm like, the Buffalo Bills won. I'll be at an ugly 17-16 game against the, the future New York Jets, but Buffalo still won. But the Browns. You see, the Browns have talent, yes. Baker Mayfield, a young quarterback. You have Javaris Landry, good receiver. Odell Beckham, arguably, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. You have Nick Chubb. Miles Garrett. And you want to know what all that talent did? All that young talent? It had him get blown out by 30 points. <laughs> right. In a league that you don't see a lot of blowouts, like when the New England Patriots blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers in Foxborough, Massachusetts, in Gillette Stadium, Brady and Belichick, it doesn't surprise anybody. It doesn't. But when the Tennessee Titans come into the dog pound, into Cleveland. Marcus Mariota throws three touchdowns and no interceptions, and that happens. It leaves you a little bit baffled, a little bit surprised. But then you have to realize this. You know, talent is always when people talk about talent. Talent is a means to an end. Talent means nothing if you can't do anything with that talent. I know people always tell me, Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback ever, better than Brady, right? He's more talented. He's more accurate on the run. He has a bigger arm. He's more accurate. This, this, that. Guess what? Tom Brady's talent is translating to Six Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers' talent is translating to one Super Bowl. Don't give me talent. LeBron James, he's so talented. You know what LeBron James' talent has translated to? Three NBA Finals. Three championships. You know what Michael Jordan's talent translated to? Six championships. Don't give me Mike Trout in baseball. He's never won a World Series. He's never won a Fall Classic. He doesn't have a championship. But a guy with lesser talent, Derek Jeter, he has five of them things. Talent is a means to win, and talent means nothing. The biggest mistake you can make is thinking that just because this team is talented, they're going to win. Right? Remember that Kentucky Wildcats team? Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker. 
38-0 going to the Final Four. And guess who they lose to? The Wisconsin Badgers, led by Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker. The big three in Miami, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. They only won two championships. And in 2011, during their first year, they lost to a Dallas Mavericks team who was much less talented. But that Mavericks team, they were together. They built chemistry. They built camaraderie. They built all those things that you need in sports to win. We talk about this, right? Talent's not everything. So then what do you need? Hopefully, leadership. Is Baker that leader yet? It's only his second year. I don't expect him to be that leader. I don't expect him to be that guy. I don't expect him to be the most mature person in the world, especially considering that about a couple months ago, he was going through a public sparring match with Colin Coward, right? Tom Brady doesn't do that. Drew Brees doesn't do that. Patrick Mahomes doesn't do that. Philip Rivers doesn't do that. Eli Manning's trash, and Eli Manning doesn't do that. Lack of maturity. How about their leadership, the coaching staff? The Browns didn't look like they were ready to play. The Browns look like they've been reading the newspaper clippings, that they've been listening to people on ESPN, listening to people on Fox, listening to people on all these different sports media outlets, listening to their family, listening to their friends. You've been anointed. You have made it. And it sounds like the Tennessee Titans, who a lot of people don't have making the playoffs, didn't listen to anybody. And that's why they came in ready and prepared and beat the brakes off the Browns. Like I said, not ready. Flagged 18 times for 182 yards. Second most in Browns history. Second most in Browns history. Like I said, young team. Young team. They need experience. Haven't been through the wars yet. Haven't been through those downs yet. Baker Mayfield, three picks in the fourth quarter. Baker Mayfield, he's young, he's exciting. He's like Brett Favre, he's a gunslinger. And he threw three picks in the fourth quarter like Brett Favre would. I think the Browns are a talented team. I didn't pick them to win the division, but I think they'll make the playoffs. They're too talented not to. But just remember one thing, and I said this last show. Remember when Vince Young said, hey, we're a dream team? Don't anoint teams early. You hear the New England Patriots talk about how great they are? No, you don't. And guess what? They're probably going to win the Super Bowl. Take notes. Now, everybody's talking now about Antonio Brown of the New England Patriots. Antonio Brown of the New England Patriots. How is this going to work? How great is this? And you want to know what? Antonio Brown's not going to last in New England. He's not. And it's really interesting because we all have a friend or a family member that's a little off. And, you know, I've said this like Antonio Brown, a little off, always gets in trouble, kind of like the bad apple. Like we had that friend in school, who's the bad apple? And they always keep getting in trouble. They always get kicked off the team. They always get into tension. They always get into fights. And they always say, it's not my fault. They never come to class, but they say, it's not my fault. Well, eventually, when you keep messing up and you keep doing wrong, it is your fault. You know, there's something called data. In data, you study trends. 
In the last couple years, Antonio Brown has been a fool, and he's been a disturbance, and he's been a cancer to his team. So what makes you think it's going to change because he's in New England? You think it's going to get easier because he's in New England, because he's in a better situation? You think it's going to get easier? Who do you think is more fun, John Gruden or Bill Belichick? Bill Belichick or Mike Tomlin? Both of those guys are a lot more fun and easy to deal with than Bill Belichick. What system do you think is harder to learn? The Raiders system or the Patriots system? You want to know what type of receivers have success in the Patriots system? Julian Edelman, Russ Welker, guys that have been in the system for a long time, guys that are slot receivers. You want to know what the Patriots do? And you know what makes them so smart? Their offense changes week to week. Sometimes they'll run the ball 40 times. Sometimes they'll throw it 40 times. Sometimes they'll be in the middle. Sometimes they'll be vertical passing. Sometimes they'll be short passing. Sometimes they'll be we're throwing it to the running backs out of the backfield. Ever-evolving, ever-changing. That is the New England way. You think Antonio Brown's going to be okay one game when he only gets four targets, catches one ball? And his job is to block. Rob Gronkowski. Some people say he's the greatest tight end ever. You know what Rob Gronkowski was doing late in the season? He was just blocking. He was basically used as a sixth lineman. Because New England knew to win, they had to play smash mouth, running in your face, football. Is Antonio Brown going to be okay with that? Is Antonio Brown going to be okay being a cog in the system? There will not be multiple games this year where Antonio Brown has these 10-12 catches, 180-yard games that we were seeing in Pittsburgh over the last three, four years. Those, those will not be happening. In fact, we'll probably see four to five catches, 70 yards, and maybe one of those big games a couple times in a 16-game schedule. And you want to know why? Because you got to spread the wealth. Josh Gordon. Julian Edelman. Hell, Rob Gronkowski might come back. Philip Dorsett has shown he can play in the New England offense. Are we sure Antonio Brown's going to be able to do the Patriot way? Are we sure? Belichick eventually kicked Randy Moss to the curb. Because even though they had success to begin with, Bill Belichick got tired of it. Chad Ochocinco didn't work with the Patriots. It's not easy. And you want to know what? Chad Ochocinco and Randy Moss are a whole lot more talented than Antonio Brown is. And they're a lot easier to deal with than Antonio Brown is. Antonio Brown is moody. He's temperamental. He's selfish. And quite frankly, he does a lot of stuff that is, you know what, crazy. <laughs> right? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't sit well. Now, cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to have Jason Gavari on the show. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have once again with us Jason Kavari. How are you doing, Jason? Pretty good, my man. How are you? Doing good now, Jason. Browns, Titans. Everybody thinks the Browns are going to win. Titans put up a 40-piece on them. Just talk about your overall feelings. Well, I want to say first off, I did expect a win today, so this is very disappointing. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of points that come up that I want to make about this game and about the season at large and things that Cleveland needs to look at moving forward. Uh, number one, more to the fans. Like I've been saying for a while to people, temper the expectations. 
You know, this is not a Super Bowl team right here because they haven't played together, because they don't have the chemistry, because they're not ready yet for that. My prediction at the beginning of the season, as we talked about earlier, I think the last episode, was that they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, but they lose in the first round, maybe the second round. Again, because there's no chemistry yet with this team because they haven't played together enough to know in this offense, right? So I want to make sure, obviously all Cleveland fans listening, all fans in general, temper their expectations for this team. Don't expect them to go all the way this year. It's not going to happen. Don't expect them to even win a playoff game or even make the playoffs. Let them show you. Don't expect these things. Now moving to the team itself, there's a few things I want to note that were really, really concerning to me. Number one was the offensive line play. Now I realize that we lost three offensive linemen, but that offensive line was like Swiss cheese. Even when we started, terrible. And it's not like the Titans have that good of a defensive line, but they were ripping it to pieces. Number two, the discipline of the overall team. I don't know what the issue is here, if this is Kitchens not disciplining his team right, because if you look at a team in an organization that takes care of these things during the summer, during the preseason, you don't see a well-coached team being penalized this much for absolutely ridiculous things. Like one example being Robinson kicking a defender in the face <laughs> and, and getting kicked out for that, or Miles Garrett throwing a punch. This is Miles Garrett, that's the leader of your defense throwing a punch. This is the captain, this is the guy that's supposed to set the example, that's supposed to lead. I don't want to hear anything about the ref or the refs being bad in this game. Uh, Cleveland was absolutely horrific in the sense that they were completely undisciplined. They did not show up ready to play. And I gotta wonder what exactly Freddie Kitchen's doing. Because it's your job as the head coach to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. Whether that's through summer practices, in the preseason, you are the one who has to, or has to be sure that your team's disciplined and is not giving up so much in penalties. Because giving up almost 200 yards on 20 penalties is absolutely unacceptable. Do you think, and I've always been about this, my biggest, one of my biggest words, and I told you about this, it's Freddie Kitchens. Is he more of a coordinator or is he more of a head coach? Like you see Bill Belichick, how he sets the tone for the whole organization, for the offensive coordinator, for the defensive coordinator, for the culture, to, this is how we're going to play football. I didn't necessarily see that from Freddie Kitchens. So here's my question to you. How long before we have to start talking about is Freddie Kitchens, you know, going to be the coach? Like, like how, if this continues, do we have to consider, should Freddie Kitchens still be the coach of this team? Because this is a very talented team. Absolutely. I, I think we do have to look. And I'm not one for knee-jerk reactions. So with all this being said, I do think they deserve – another few games to see what he can do. You know, everyone has a bad day. I mean, it might have just been a terrible day, terrible thing here, an aberration from the norm. So I'm waiting to see what the adjustment is for week two against the Jets, because this is the big must-win game. This is where they need to show out. This is where Freddie Kitchens needs to step up to the plate and show that he's a head coach that's capable of taking on the task of coaching this very talented team. Because let me tell you, week three is the Rams. You cannot go into that game 0-2 with the pressure building. That's not the environment you want heading into a huge shootout-type matchup like that. Now, Baker. Baker threw three picks, three picks in the fourth quarter. Is it, Am I right or wrong to say Baker Mayfield's overrated? I No, you're wrong to say he's overrated. Okay. And I, I will say... Another thing I took issue with, a smaller issue than the ones I explained before, was his play at quarterback because it wasn't all the offensive line. I watched this very, very carefully, you know, this game. I honestly did. And what I saw 
compared here to last year, what I saw the biggest difference between his play was that he's taking so much longer to throw. So much of his success last year was the fact that he would make a decision, react, just snap, 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 the ball would be out almost instantaneously. And this was faster than most quarterbacks I had ever seen. His decision making seemed to be on another level. Now, I don't know if this is because he's a bit off, because he hasn't played much in the preseason, or maybe something happened in the summer, again, maybe a bad day for him, but his processing speed needs to go up. He's got to make a decision, make the read, get rid of the ball, instead of holding it, because that's why he gets sacked, and that's why he gets hit so much. Makes it look like an expansion team quarterback. <laughs> and we can't have that, because he's not a big guy who can take these hits. Could it be possible, too, that a part of that is because a guy like Freddie Kitchens has to spread more of his time to the whole team. He can't just be in Baker's ear the whole time. Could that be part of it? Absolutely, but then in that situation, you hope that your positional coaches would be good enough to help, right? Because when you have that head coach, they got to take care of broader issues, and you look to those position coaches to take care of the little more specialized issues, you know? And in your second year, you should know by now, right? You should be regressing. Yeah, I mean, sophomore slump is obviously a thing, but you should figure out that one of the big parts of your success last year was your ability to make quick reads and get rid of the ball lightning quickly, like quick, faster than most quarterbacks I've ever seen. I want to emphasize that. So if he wants to be successful, he's got to rediscover Baker of last year, that level of decision-making. Now I want to go to the Patriots. Tour de force, just... Oh. <laughs> the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick says always do your job, right? Uh, they did their job on Sunday, Sunday night. Blow out the Steelers. What are your takeaways from the game? Well, it was interesting first that they didn't have Antonio Brown yet. Like, let's make that very clear. But I think um, they're out on a revenge tour sort of thing. You know, because there were a lot of things coming out that maybe the Patriots are done. Maybe the Patriots are reaching the end. Like, they'll still be good, but, like, are they coming towards the end of their dynasty or is this where it starts to decline after this last uh, these last few great seasons they've had? And I think they're coming back with a vengeance. They destroy Pittsburgh. They wipe them out. Now, the other thing, we got to look at the other side of Pittsburgh. There's some serious issues there, you know. They were talking about the fact that they would be ready, that the fact that they'd gotten rid of Brown, gotten rid of Bell, means that they got rid of the drama. And all the reports I heard from last year into this year was that apparently the drama was the issue, right? That when you remove the drama, great team left, great core, Roethlisberger's still great, got Smith-Schuster, got James Washington, got James Conner, going to be a great team, right? They scored three points. Tell me there's not some issues there and there's not still some things that need to be addressed. Okay, like who? But who? Who do you think is having the issues then? Like in your Personally, I think it's Tomlin. You've got to look at the coach now because it seems like everyone else is doing their job. So I really got to ask, what is Tomlin not doing? Or what is he doing differently from what he was doing before that this team just looks drastically different? Is it possible, though, that we could, me being a little bit too hard on my time, like Bill Belichick makes a lot of other coaches look say Like Bill Belichick embarrassed Sean McVay about, four, about six months ago in the Super Bowl. So, it's I mean, Bill Belichick does this to everybody, right? He's the greatest coach ever. So it's, it's not like... It's Mike McCarthy <laughs> making Mike Tom making Mike Tomlin look this way, right? Uh, but how long would you give Mike Tomlin? Like, do you think the Steelers could potentially move on from him if like the Steelers don't do well this year? 
I don't think so. I mean, I think he's got a longer rope than most coaches based on his past success. He's a great coach, I think. Maybe as a leader, I don't know so much. I think they need to take this season to look at what he does, how he rebounds from the whole situation, the whole mess of last year. And for all we know, the years leading up to it, we need to see how he responds and what he does to this team. Because I think you're right. You know, maybe Belichick and the Patriots are a different situation than what the rest of the schedule would be. So I would wait a few weeks and see how he adjusts, if he changes the team at all, and if they look any different. And then we'll start to ask these questions more seriously. Juju Smith-Schuster got exposed tonight. Stephon Gilmore took him out of the game. Kevin, you know what? A.B., he might have been a clown. A.B. might be a jerk. But extra goddamn health to have him on the field. Is, do you think Juju can be that guy? Because th that was kind of that, that was kind of pitiful. I wonder, man. It happens sometimes because you know, I love Juju as a number two in Pittsburgh. Great number two, bad ball, incredible. Like probably one of the best in the league, if not the best number two in the league. The man was insane. Try to think. That's against single coverage. Sometimes completely open because teams would have to double, triple cover AB because he was such a threat. Now when he's got to step up to the plate and he's got to face that double-triple coverage, either he's not ready for it or he can't deal with it. He cannot deal with the pressure of being a number one. And we've seen this sometimes. There have been teams with a great one, great two, elite receivers at both positions. But when you split them up, two goes off for more money or the one leaves and the two gets upgraded to the one position, sometimes it just doesn't work. They cannot produce with the pressure, with the defense that a number one receiver would face. Can the New England culture fix Antonio Brown? I don't know. This is <laughs> such a tough thing because we've talked extensively about this. I have my own opinions about what's happened. I'm sure everyone has their own, you know, different opinion about what's the issue here. And looking at it actually in a sense of everything he's done recently, I wonder personally if this was a way for him to get away from Oakland when he realized how terrible they would be. Because clearly the final straw for him was realizing that he didn't have guaranteed money anymore. So he was done. He wasn't going to deal with a team that was going to be that bad and not even have his money guaranteed, right? But you've got to wonder if each thing he did and the progression of the, the stupid, horrible stuff he did was just a way for him to try to push the team to release him. Because think, like, how did it start? I'm trying to think back, like, the first things he did. Like, complaining a bit, right? Kept referencing the Steelers. And then uh, there was the helmet issue. And then there was all this with the GM, you know, with Mayock threatening to hit him, punting the ball across the field. And then there was him asking to be released on Instagram. Like, it just got progressively worse as he realized that he would need to take it a step further to get the team to cut ties. So I wonder if he was trying to get out of there and go to a more successful situation. But how's he going to deal with New England when he's not getting the ball all the time? They're going to spread the ball around. Sometimes they might even throw it. They're going to run it 40 times. Like, Bill Belichick, whatever we need to do to win, that is what we're going to do. And that does not always mean, hey, we're throwing the ball to Antonio Brown 20 times a game. How do you think he's going to be able to handle that? He has to reconcile himself with that because he's got to realize this is his last chance. No other teams are going to deal with this. If he screws this up here with this organization, he's done. Maybe some team takes a chance on him a little further down the line. but like, It's like if Brady and Belichick can't yeah. fix you. <laughs> no one can. No one's going to touch you. You're, you're, you're the rotten apple. You're poison goods. No one's going to want you if you can't play well here. So I guess the best thing for him to do is just fall in line, take what they give him. You're getting $15 million. 
for a one-year contract to pretty much be very successful, possibly make the Super Bowl, you really can't complain. Can he do that, though? Do you think he will be able to do that? I don't think so. I think there's still going to be issues that come up. Like you mentioned, when he's not getting the ball enough, I feel like he's going to go nuts over that, and I think that's going to be the end of A.B.'s career here as we know it, at least for a while. Could you imagine if Antonio Brown tried to fight Bill Belichick in practice? At this point, it's not off the table. I really can't rule anything out with this man. You know, any respect I had for him before is out the window because clearly he will stop at no no means. He will do whatever he wants to get what he wants, you know? So I'm not going to say he won't do that if he gets mad. <laughs> We've clearly seen that it's the opposite. He'll do whatever he wants. Now, John Gruden. Do you think John Gruden was wrong for bringing Antonio Brown in, like, to the locker room culture in the first place? Because, you know... They're trying to start something. You can't start something when you have somebody that keeps trying to tear it down. Like, the stuff he did in Pittsburgh, did in Pittsburgh towards the end, you know, was really distasteful uh, for not showing up to practice. So dipping out on the last, uh, the last game on Sunday uh, when they're still trying to make the playoffs from uh, the Facebook Live, from all the stuff he did in Pittsburgh. Why would you bring that into your organization? Like, why? Well, for one thing, I don't think he knew everything and I don't think he knew it would be bad to this extent like none of us knew it would be this bad right when it first happened and I think his thinking is all right we get a generational talent wide receiver one of the best the game has ever seen a third round pick and a fifth round pick so it's really that much to send for a receiver like that to kind of jump start my tenure as coach here to make it a little easier for my quarterback who's maybe a little rattled who I don't help with I think it's a defensible decision because you can't have understood what was going to come. Now I'm going to give you four names. You have a prime Mike Irvin, a Michael Irvin, a prime Charles Owens, prime Randy Moss, prime Antonio Brown. Which four put them in order? Oh, tough. I think Randy Moss first, personally. I would put Terrell Owens second, Irvin third, and then Brown fourth. So... <laughs> And this goes to the mic. Like, all those guys each had their own individual issues. Right. Uh, and I don't even think any of them at any point in time were as disastrous to a team's effect oh, like Antonio Brown. So, and you've even mentioned this. This could be his last shot in the NFL. Hmm. Do you, like, what type of message do you think that sends? Like, <laughs> when you look at it in the whole grand perspective and you, you, you got to see, like, he's like, top three receiver in the NFL and he might never play again. Do you think that kind of just adds to like the whole diva receiver mentality? Like when people talk about people like Odell, you know, and, and stuff like that, like, hey, we can't pay him. You know, we don't need receivers. When look what New England does. They have like Julian Edelman and all they do is win Super Bowls, right? Do you think it adds to that? In general for all players, it's not just receivers. When guys want money, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people have made this point, but it's true. These owners are going to take any excuse not to guarantee the money. Because guaranteed money means you end up paying more. You know, a lot of this money in these contracts is tied up to incentivized guarantees, which don't always happen. You know, or, uh, sorry, incentives, which players don't always get. So they don't always get the money that's not guaranteed, right? So owners are going to point to situations like this and say, this is why we don't want to guarantee your contracts because of absolute nutcases like him. And it's unfortunate that someone that selfish, that pig-headed, could ruin it for a bunch of other guys just trying to do their job and make it a little better, you know, improve their contracts. Because you never know, and your career could be over tomorrow with an injury. And he's ruining it for all these other guys. Now, Miami Dolphins. Oh, is a 
the brain taking to the NFL. I love it. I, I love it. Uh, looks like the players don't love it, and they're all trying to quit. Uh, how do you think this situation is going to end? This, uh, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I'm curious to see how this develops because it looks like after game one, this is an absolute dumpster fire already. You know, I heard players are calling their agents, trying to get traded, and you're asking to be released, just trying to get out of there, which I understand. Why would you sacrifice your body for a team that doesn't care about you, that's just trying to get the top pick next year, to try to get a quarterback and rebuild from there? I think it's pretty ridiculous that it's so open and obvious that they're tanking. I think back to the 0-16 Browns. I, mean, I don't think they were tanking necessarily. They actually were that bad, but they were at least competitive. Like, at least put up some sort of a fight. This is just ridiculous. To be down 49-10 at the end of the third to the Baltimore Ravens. What a score you'd expect when Alabama plays John Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think, and I've always wondered this, do you think there's a correlation because last year there were reports about Matt Patricia, like players then like Matt Patricia. Uh, even Josh McDaniels, when he was with the, the Denver Broncos, people always talk about how Josh was a little bit different. Do you think part of this is like the Belichick coaching tree and like they discipline, they use that hard style of coaching, that ruthless style of coaching that Belichick does and they do it, they're not as good. Like it, it's different when you go to work and you're not having fun and the team's bad, and your boss is still yelling at you. Is that the type of environment might be in Miami that all the other players are just like, you know, screw it? You 100% nailed it. Why do players put up with it in New England? Why do players put up with being treated that harshly? Like, no other teams make their players run as much as New England does. Why do you think they deal with it? Because they're so successful. Because it's a winning culture. That evidence, there's evidence, you know, at least to winning ways. So when you look at these other teams, like, you know, McDaniels with the Broncos, like um, Detroit, or um, the Dolphins now, when these coaches try to bring that type of coaching in, but they don't have the results to show for it, you really don't have anything to give to the players. You know, we're gonna work you this hard, but that doesn't guarantee any success. There's not even a likelihood, you know, there's not even more of a likelihood that you'll be successful as there is in New England. So we're asking you to do all this work, but we're not going to guarantee any success because this team's not that good. I think it's pretty obvious. You know, the players are mad about that. Do you think the NFL should do something? Because, like, you know, at the NBA, they got rid of uh, Sam Hinkie, I believe. They took him out. They put the um, Colangelo's in place. Do you think the NFL, Roger Goodell, should they potentially do something in Miami if this continues? They're probably going to have to at some point. I'm not sure if there's... Because you can't charge people tickets and then... <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, as a fan, I'd be furious. Like, mm -hmm. as, as a season ticket holder... If I pay all that money, I deserve more than a team who's just going to tank their way through 16 games. Like, I at least deserve to see a team who's going to compete, right, if I'm paying that much money. So I think just based on these season ticket holders, even these, uh, these uh, Dolphins fans in general, the outcry will be big enough that the NFL will have to start making rules against that. And I don't know how they start to do that or what they consider but they can't let it run rampant like this anymore because think how many teams are going to start doing this when they realize that they don't have a shot. Who's better right now, Kansas City or New England? Personally, I think Kansas City. Really? Right now, but that's without A.B. in New England because he wasn't there just yet. So he's coming on for next week. I'm curious. I'm waiting to see how they are with A.B. in the fold, too, before I say definitively. Okay, who impressed you the most? Who impressed me most? Still Kansas City. Kansas City more impressive than what New Kansas England did to Pittsburgh? More impressive because they kept it up this year. You know, they showed the consistency. 
that we were wondering if they'd still have, right? We, we know the Patriots are going to be good. I mean, that, that's not even a question at this point. With Kansas City, I think my big thing was, is this a flash in the pan? Is this all going to kind of go away, just regress to the mean, or are they still going to be this good? And they come out firing. They look just as good, if not better, than last year. It's absolutely incredible. So that consistency is the more impressive thing to me so far. Dak Prescott throws for 400 yards. Is he going to be the highest paid quarterback of the NFL? At this point, he should be. What else can they do? <laughs> what else can they do? Jared Goff pushed your hand if you're Jerry Jones. Unfortunately, even though Jared Goff isn't worth that money, personally, I don't think, but you're forced to pay for quarterbacks that are above average, good, because that's all you have. Who do you turn to? Some mediocre to below average backup? You need to have at least an above average quarterback to win in the NFL to make the playoffs. So while guys like Goff and Dak, talent-wise, maybe don't deserve these gigantic contracts, they're going to get them. Now, in a couple years, you know whose contract's going to be coming up? Patrick Mahomes. Now, with how much more money will Mahomes get than, let's say, Dak and Goff? Because we assume Dak is going to be number one now. Well, it's going to depend what other quarterbacks come do in that time, which I can't think who else would, uh, who else's contract would be up in that time. You know, I don't, I don't know if anybody's contract is up in that time period, but we could be looking at him Deshaun. Oh, really? Yeah. So it could be in the neighborhood of the upper 30s. You know, we could be getting the 37, 38, maybe 40 million dollars a year. But when you get to that point, you got to ask yourself, if you're Pat Mahomes, do I really want to take all this money? Because what happens if I take all this money? When you take, someone else loses. Some other part of that team is gonna lose some money, right? So Kansas City isn't gonna be able to pay its other playmakers as much. And looking to New England, like we mentioned, that's a huge reason for their success, was the fact that Tom Brady was taking pay cuts, had smaller contracts, so that the rest of the team could be paid. You know, New England could go out and pay a bunch of better guys to come in, rather than just Blowing it all on the quarterback, a couple skill position players, and everyone else is just garbage off the street. So that's a question that Mahomes is going to have to have on his mind. When is Daniel Jones going to start? It's going to depend, honestly, on two things. Honestly, I think, personally, I do think it'll be injury first. That'll take out Eli Manning. I think he's going to get hit. He's going to get hurt. He'll be out. Daniel Jones will come in. Uh, they didn't look good at all today. So Saquon did. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like a guarantee, though. You know, he's going to get his. He's that good. But that being said, if he keeps going at this rate and Eli doesn't get hurt, right, they keep playing bad, like really bad. He looks, he'll look terrible, but just not good enough, right? If they keep losing games, you don't draft a quarterback that high to sit. So I think he will come in probably by the halfway point in the season. Halfway point in the season? Well, why, why won't the Giants just start Daniel Jones? Like, like they're a bad football team. They're not very good. The Cowboys blew them out, and the Cowboys don't blow anybody out. That's not how the Cowboys play. The Cowboys are trying to win 24-20 and run the ball with Zeke like 30 times. They're not, you know. And the fact that Dak Prescott formed a I mean, that also. Yeah, that's. I mean, they were. And Amari Cooper made a, was making the cornerbacks look very silly. Uh, why won't they just start Daniel Jones? I think it's interesting. It's like an organizational 
kind of loyalty to him, right? They, they still have a loyalty to Eli, or they feel like they have a tie, like a sentimental tie to Eli for everything brought to the organization. But they need to realize that, you know, it's now or never for Daniel Jones. You know, he looks all right in the preseason. I mean, you might as well let him get out there and get some experience, you know? Clearly, they're not going to the playoffs this year, right? They're not going to be a great team. So why not let him get some more action this year so you can see what you have definitively in Daniel Jones as your top 10 pick from this past year? Now, we did this last week. You did say you still have Baker number one in his class for quarterbacks. Has that changed? No. No. My opinion has not changed yet. So Lamar's five touchdowns didn't sway you at all. But it was the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Lamar Jackson, if he repeats – I don't even want him to repeat that because that's excessive. You know, he's not going to do that against any other team. I, I wouldn't expect anybody to do that against any other team. What I will say is that if he plays well next game, if I see him throwing deep the same accuracy, making decisions as quickly as he did, playing as an actual quarterback instead of a wide receiver at the quarterback position, running back at the quarterback position, if he shows the same things he did this week, I think it's start or I think it's time for me to start uh, reformulating my opinion on him. Maybe I haven't been fair. I gotta wait and see. And Kyler Murray, Kyler, and, and we talked about this a little bit. He looked really bad at first, and he got better as the game went on. It's got like he just he worked through, which is also why I think the Giants just start Daniel Jones. Why the Redskins just start Dwayne Haskins? You're not going anywhere anyway. Go through those growing pains, like you know. Sometimes the best teacher is, is just doing it, learning, learning from experience, failing, you know. Then learning how can I improve, how can I do this, you know, live bullets. Uh, Kyler, what were your thoughts? Well, he, like you said, you know, obviously he did start bad, but he improved as the game went on, you know, taking it to overtime and ended up as a tie against a not very great, but passable, like average Lions team. You know, I was impressed. I didn't expect that out of the Cardinals. They seem like a pretty terrible team with a rookie quarterback. That's a, a general unknown, I would say. Um, and I think his season overall is going to be like this. You know, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. He won't be great at times, but then other times he's going to shock you with how he plays. So we have yet to see what comes. Is Cliff still uh, keeping the, the offense vanilla? I think so. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> he said he was hold, he said he was holding back. We haven't seen. Maybe he's just blustering, or maybe he's actually holding some things back. Uh, that being said, I don't think he's got the personnel to do much crazy stuff. I mean, really, who do they have there that's really that great? This is a pretty terrible team, again, so maybe they should try to build around, uh, save the extra crazy trick plays until you get some skill position players that can actually work this out well. My last question for you is, you know, I was watching Larry Fitzgerald, and I'm like, you know what? He's a guy that deserves to go get cut and play for the Patriots, not Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown doesn't deserve a ring. Larry Fitzgerald deserves a ring. And I want Larry Fitzgerald to request a trade. I want, and he won't, because he's just the type of guy. But it just it makes me sad, Jason. It makes me sad. 100%. I love the guy. You know, I watched him since he was a rookie. Loved having him on Madden. He was an awesome receiver, obviously. Upstanding guy, just just like one of the best players and one of the best people as well in the NFL. And it's unfair. I think it's a reflection of life in general. You know, life isn't fair. Maybe the bad people get things that they shouldn't. You know, and it's sad that he's such an upstanding guy, such a great team player that he won't say, "Hey, please trade me." So I think it would be a, a nice gesture of the Cardinals, you know, to send him away. They're not going to, but. 
you know, my hope is that they would see that he's been loyal to your organization through thick and thin for years. He's done so much for you. Now, please send him away so you can win something just once. Oh, um, actually, I do want to say this. Delaney Walker says the Browns were who we thought they were. What did Baker Mayfield think when he heard that? What would you guess? Now, I've said this. Baker's like me. We have the same personality. Someone says something like that, it lights a fire under us, puts a chip on our shoulder. We come back twice as good as we were. So Baker's ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for him to come back next week and torch the Jets. He's mad this week. He's going to be dangerous. And he's coming back better than ever before next week. You better believe it. Jason, I want to you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Bring on as always, my man. back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Once again, I want to thank Jason Cavari for coming on the show. Now, I do want to talk about the Patriots a little bit more. Uh, and it's always interesting when we talk, talk about the Patriots and we talk about the Steelers. And we talk about the Patriots compared to other organizations, right? New England is, and I'm just going to say this, New England is just better than everybody. Belichick and Brady, they are at another level. This is like the Matrix, right? <laughs> When we talk about systems, we talk about uh, coaching, we talk about playing the position of quarterback, we talk about the Patriot way. It is light years ahead. It's basically like we're talking about Bill Gates and the random dude across the street, right? Just a different level, different type of innovation, a different type of wisdom, right? Everybody talks about how it's a passing league, right? You need to pass the win. Not the Patriots, right? But people talk about it. You can't touch the receivers past five yards. You can't hit the quarterback. Throw, 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 throw. That's how you win. Patriots, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady? No. You know what we're going to do? We're going to manage the game. We're only going to throw 36 passes. Looking from on Sunday. Quarterbacks that threw more than Tom Brady. Matt Stafford, 45. Kyler Murray, 54. Mitch Trubisky, 45. Eli Manning, 44. None of those quarterbacks are as good as Brady. Yet, Brady threw considerably less. Brady's the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all time. Six Super Bowl rings, multiple regular season MVPs, and Super Bowl MVPs, all pros and Pro Bowls. Yeah, Belichick, Brady, let's run the ball. Let's give it to Shoney Michelle. Let's give it to Rex Burkhead. James White, let's wear him down. Let's play physical football. Patriots are one of the only teams in the NFL that I see use a fullback. Cliffs Kingsbury is so dynamic. They're going to use the spread offense with Kyler Murray. And Bill Belichick's like, let's just have a fullback and let's ram it down your mother you-know-what throat. Let's do it. That's what New England's going to do. Let, how about we pull our guards? How about we smash your face in the run game? How about we control time of possession? How about we go for 100 yards rushing? How about we wear you down and break you physically and mentally in our own stadium and make you tap out? How about we do that? And then we get to see a broader perspective. Systems. Some systems are better than others. Some just are, right? New England. A lot of talent has come through that door and left that door. Randy Moss came through that door, left that door. Willie McGinnis came through that door and left through that door. 
Wes Welker came through that door, left through that door. Rob Gronkowski came through that door, left through that door. Aaron Hernandez came through that door and left through that door. Vince Wilfork came through that door and left through that door. Ty Law came through that door and he left through that door. So many names, so many Hall of Famers from Richard Seymour. I can name more. A Darrell Rivas. Because the system, it's Brady and it's Belichick. Pittsburgh Steelers, hey, our system's good enough. Our culture's good enough. How about, hey, let's get rid of Antonio Brown. Let's get rid of Le'Veon Bell. James Conner looked mediocre last night. Juju Smith-Schuster got blanked by Stephon Gilmore, and Stephon Gilmore locked Juju up. The two replacements for Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown didn't play well, and they did not step up. It's that's culture, that system. It's what New England does better than everybody. You are replaceable, except for two guys. That's how you know it's culture. That's how you know their system is that great. Pittsburgh, their system got exposed last night. Because you want to know what? Antonio Brown's a head case, and he might be a crazy mofo. But you want to know what? He draws double teams, and lets Juju go against single coverage. It's the system. And it's not necessarily the player's fault. It's organizational. Organizational from the GM to the owner to uh, the president uh, of uh, football operations to the assistant general manager to the coaches to the other head coaches to the other coaches on the staff. And we see that New England teaches their players and puts their players in the position to best succeed as humanly possible in their God-given abilities. We see that. And then the domination, the third aspect, the domination I just heard this. We always talk about rivals in sports, rivalries, right? And for a long time, the rivalry was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. But let's take out Peyton Manning. Let's take out Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers plays in other conferences in the NFC, for God's sake. Let's look at quarterbacks as contemporaries, right? Ben Roethlisberger. Tom Brady has never lost to Ben Roethlisberger. Phillip Rivers. Tom Brady has never lost to Phillip Rivers. Andrew Luck. Tom Brady has never lost to Andrew Luck. The new hot shot on the block. The most talented quarterback ever. Tom Brady has never lost to Patrick Mahomes. Beat him twice. And in fact, Tom Brady outgunned Patrick Mahomes in Foxborough. And then he went on the road in the AFC Championship game and did it again. He outgunned Patrick Mahomes. The best gunslinger, apparently, people are saying that we've ever seen. The most talented quarterback. More talented than Aaron Rodgers. New England just wins. Hate that they're in the Bills division, though. It's so disappointing. It's so very disappointing. But now it's time for a little crazy, lazy, or maybe. Red Sox news. President Dave Dombrowski parts ways with Boston after four years. ESPN's Jeff Passion reported Sunday that Dave is no longer the president of the team. Assistant General Manager Eddie Romero was tabbed to take over as head of baseball operations following the move. The Red Sox confirmed the news on Monday morning with principal owner John Henry saying this. Four years ago, we were faced with a critical decision about the direction of the franchise. We were extraordinarily fortunate to be able to bring Dave in to lead baseball operations. With the World Series Championship and three consecutive American League East titles, he has cemented what was already a Hall of Fame career. Crazy. 
there has to be more to this story. Uh, even like the Red Sox owner said, you don't get rid of somebody that you win a World Series with. Just last year, you won three American League East titles in a division with the New York Yankees. You've been better than the New York Yankees the last three years. You even beat them in the playoffs last year. Expose them. You don't get rid of a guy like that unless there's something else going on that we do not know yet. I don't know if it's contract, health, a certain situation, but there is something going on that we just don't know. Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger on Antonio Brown, signing with the New England Patriots. Whatever. After the Sunday night game against the Pittsburgh against the New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger said this when reporters asked him about Brown joining New England. Whatever. Lazy. Ben, you're not giving us your true reaction. Ben, tell us how you really feel, Ben. Please, just pretty please, tell us how you really feel. Probably emotions like this. F-A-B. Look what he did. He's going to the Patriots. Damn, look what they just did. They put a 30, a 30 piece on us with Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, and Josh Gordon. What they going to do when they get A-B in the fold? And Gronk might come back. I know Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers brass are not happy. Report. Multiple Dolphins asked agents to demand trade after Ravens blood loss. According to the Miami Herald's Barry Johnson, Miami denied any player had formally requested a trade. But according to Football Talks, Mike Florio, multiple Dolphins players contacted their agents after Sunday season opening blowout loss and directed them to attempt to engineer trades elsewhere. I hope Antonio Brown isn't having an effect on this first fall, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Maybe there's a point here. Maybe. The Dolphins are awful, and like Jason Kavari said, they are a SH you know what team. And it doesn't look like they're trying to win. It does not. So it does not surprise me that players are like, we don't want to play in this situation. This is a bad situation. There are players that are trying to get paid. Players, you know, you're putting your bodies on the line. And to go through a butt whooping like that in the NFL, putting up almost 60 points. And it's not like this is Brady and Belichick. This is Drew Brees and Sean Payton. This is Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Or this is Peyton Manning or Joe Montana back in the day. This is Lamar Jackson, who people were saying he is a receiver or a running back playing quarterback. And he tossed five touchdowns on you and put up 59 points. That is not a good sign. And that's it for crazy, lazy, or maybe now cut them next after break on barbershop sports talk i'm gonna talk about the monday night game tonight john gruden denver broncos and how john gruden might be looking like a little bit of a clown come next after the break on barbershop sports talk with Barbershop Sports Talk. Now, really quickly, uh, for everybody who's saying, are the Dolphins really tanking? I, I just want to give these stats. Total 53-man roster, their salary cap, 32nd. 32nd lowest salary in the NFL. Good players are expensive. <laughs> All right? Now, let's go to quarterback, 27th. 
Running back, 21st. Wide receiver, 17th. Tight end, 27th. Offensive line, 32nd. Defensive line, 31st. Linebacking, linebackers, 32nd. Defensive backs, 2nd. And special teams, 30th. Not a single position group on their roster gets paid in the top 15 in the NFL. And you wonder why they lose. And the Ravens of all teams drop 59 points on them. You wonder, right? Then you realize they're not putting Josh Rosen in a situation to succeed. They're putting Josh Rosen in a situation to fail. What they are doing is they are collecting assets so they can draft two attack of a low or Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert or whatever quarterback it will be coming up in this draft. And I feel bad for Josh Rosen, kind of. But the Dolphins are taking and I think the NFL, Roger Goodell, they might have to do something about this. Because fans pay for season tickets. Networks pay for uh, television contracts. Uh, concession stands. There's a lot of money that goes into it. Fans' time. People's time. And when you put a bad product out there, especially when, at the end of the day, this is entertainment. When you put a bad, unentertaining product, people are going to be pissed. And part of what makes the NFL good is not because of individual players. It's because of the organization. It's because of the team. It's because of the brand. And you don't want this happening in a market like Miami. Because you want to know what? There are a lot of things to do in Miami. There's Miami Marlins. There's the Miami Heat. Two other professional sports teams. Also, the U, right? The Hurricanes. A lot of great college football. Uh, high school football, excuse me, that goes on in Miami, in Florida. The clubs. The dancing. The beach. A lot of stuff to do in Miami that... You don't want to be paying, be a season ticket holder and paying all that money. You don't. You just don't. You just don't. Now, also, we have Monday Night Football, Texans versus Saints, Broncos versus Raiders. Now, I'm on the record. I have the Texans beating the Saints, and I have the Raiders beating the Broncos. Now, I'm, a couple things. First of all, a couple keys and a couple things I want everybody to watch. Drew Brees. How does Drew Brees look? Does he look like he's older? We saw Tom Brady look better than ever yesterday three touchdowns zero interceptions his arm still had mustard he still had velocity and he was still tom brady will drew Brees still be tom because let's remember this tom brady i always thought tom brady is a bigger armor has had a bigger arm than drew Brees. i've always thought also tom brady just a bigger stronger guy in general a little bit taller has a little bit more physical gifts than a guy like breeze does also breeze is a dumb quarterback now i think we're going to see some deterioration from drew Brees. i think that's something really closely that we should all be watching how dynamic will Breeze be? Is the ball still getting out the same? Also, Deshaun Watson, can he take that next step from being a borderline-ish, top-ten-ish quarterback to maybe being a top-five, maybe being a guy we talk about in the elk as a Patrick Mahomes or a Carson Wentz? Where will Deshaun Watson go? What level can he ascend to? I also think it's important to remember now, Jadavion Clowney's out. Who will step up for the Texans? Who? Right? J.J. Watt's going to be getting double teamed. J.J. Watt is going to draw a lot of attention. But who's going to be that guy on the defensive front of the defensive line that can take that pressure off J.J. Watt? Now, also, I'm going to go to the Raiders. John Gruden, Monday Night Football. Isn't it funny? First game, actually, excuse me. Second season as the Raider. 
on Monday Night Football, you know, just the nostalgia of it all, right? John Gruden used to be the voice of Monday Night Football. He has this clown show with Antonio Brown. They're running around in circles. It's a lot of foolishness. It's a lot of BS that just doesn't make sense. How will Derek Carr look? Is Derek Carr the guy for John Gruden? That is something I really want to know because I think John Gruden, he's a quarterback coach, offensive mind. Can he get Derek Carr on the track Derek Carr was a couple years ago when Derek Carr was in the MVP conversation? Can he? Also, Denver. I want to see head coach Vic Vangio. I want, I want to see how it is. He's an older coach, defensive mind. I want to see how he is getting his chance being an NFL head coach. I want to see how he does. I want to see how Denver's offense looks. I want to see how Joe Flacco looks. Can Joe Flacco play? Can he not now? Like, what's going on there? Is Joe Flacco basically like Eli Manning now? We're just waiting until when he gets benched, when he gets benched. Or can Joe Flacco still be a serviceable quarterback? Really excited. Like I said, have the Texans beating the Saints? Have the Raiders beating the Broncos? And we will, I believe... These two games will tell us a lot about these teams' upcoming season. It's going to tell us a lot. Breeze, his future, how long can he keep playing? Deshaun Watson, can he take that next step? Derek Carr, is he John Gruden's guy? Vic Vangio, can he be a good NFL head coach? All the things are going to be really important. I'm excited to see and watch all those things tonight. Now, I want to give a big shout-out to John Carroll football team, guys like Connor Bogard, uh, Tyler Frederick uh, started the season off 1-0. believe they won 21-7 against this other school from Wisconsin. Excited about that. Also, I just got an inside JCU email, and it said uh, John Carroll is uh, like second in the Midwest or something for hospitality. Uh, I only skimmed through it, but I guess when you're second in anything, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's okay. Considering we were fourth last year, apparently that's what the email said. So I guess that means we're moving up in the world, getting a little bit more well-known. Uh, but on a little bit of a serious note, one more thing I do want to talk about is there were a lot of injuries to star players in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, Nick Foles, C.J. Mosley, Patrick Mahomes, Quentin Williams, just to name a few that had Nick Snacks. Even Baker got a little bit hurt. Uh, and I think a lot of this is, too. You see, there was a big deal about players not playing in the preseason, but sometimes the benefit of the preseason is it gives you a gear. Like, if you're lifting, if you're weightlifting, you don't st a mat start, start squatting 300 pounds. Right? You work your way up. You say, let's get a warm-up in. Let's do 225 10 times. Then let's get up to 400 pounds, right? Then let's get up to the big weight. You got to warm up or you run or you stretch a little bit. You can't just go right into it because that's when injuries happen. That's when overexertion happens, right? You know, the muscles, the body can only bend so far. You got to ease it and smooth and warm it up. Get it ready for it. And I think that's a lot of what we see with so many injuries to star players, more than I can ever remember in a week one. It was kind of like an underlying story that I don't think a lot of people were talking about. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this situation, but I don't necessarily think so. So that's going to be something to watch. I think this is something for future NFL seasons that we have to look at. Players need to play in the preseason. First of all, like I said, we're just talking about fans. Does the fans of service they still charge? You still have to pay for tickets, right? There's still TV contract. Uh, still at the paper seating. So why not, you know, put on a good product? And plus for the players, you might not be getting hurt in the preseason, but you can get hurt anytime. And when you don't have those warm-ups, uh, you know, getting used to that game speed, getting used to that NFL action, I think it actually hurts more than helps. Now, there's every situation for running backs. Like Todd Gurley apparently has arthritic knees. I understand that. But for a guy like a Patrick Mahomes, a Tyree Kill, you know what? 
play in the preseason. Just play a couple snaps. Jared Goff, I know Sean McVay, he's kind of been famous for doing this. I just would like to see more players play in the preseason, and I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good for the fans, networks, us as football people, and the players. Just think it will. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.